this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Have you ever been written off by someone? You know, you have said something or you have done something and they just completely walk away? Or, or maybe you've written someone off because of the choices they're making or the life they're living or just the things that are going on. You know, I think all too often the familiar phrase of you are dead to me becomes too much of a reality where we just walk away. And we just realize how, how damaging that can be, how, how hurtful it can become. Have you ever, have you ever wondered can God write people off? Maybe for you watching today, you're thinking, yeah, I, I kind of feel like that has been the case. Or, or maybe it's because someone has said something to you, like someone from a church because of your lifestyle or because of your decisions. And, and you just think that clearly God has written me off. Over the last number of weeks, we have been working through a series called Encounters with God in Unexpected Places. And, and what I really hope is that this series has again reminded us of God's posture towards us in Jesus. That, that so often from the accounts that we read in the Bible and also in our lives that we see how God meets us in some of the most unexpected places. And so today, I, I want to tackle this question of does God write people off? And what I want to do is not just kind of do it from an intellectual or a theological place, because there's probably a good chance as you're watching, thinking the fact that I asked this question is, no, God doesn't write us off. But, but what I want us to do is make it personal, is that if this is something that we believe, that, that no one is outside the grasp of God, then, then what are the implications for us in the midst of life? So to kind of help set the stage, I want to turn again to one of these encounters that God has with an individual. Um, and in terms of my reading of the Bible, it might be one of the most dramatic encounters that God has. Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not, but we're going to jump into the story. Let me give you a little bit of background. It's, it's following the resurrection of Jesus. And, and the movement of Jesus and his followers is beginning to grow in such a way that they are getting great attention from the religious leaders, but not the good kind. They are now facing severe persecution. So much so that actually one of the followers of Jesus, a guy by the name of Stephen, we are told, is dragged through the streets and stoned to death. And it's here we're introduced to a very interesting individual. I would actually put him front of the line as the most hostile person towards Jesus and his followers. You may have heard of him, maybe not. His name is Saul. And, and he was an individual who, who basically made it his life's mission to stamp out the way of Jesus. I mean, if there was ever a candidate for someone who was beyond the grasp of God, <laughs> Saul would be draft pick number one. So let's, let's jump into the story. Let's, let's kind of set the story. But again, remember, remember, let's not keep it at arm's length, but come back to say, okay, what are the implications of this encounter in my life? We're going to turn to Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. And this is what we read. 
Saul was still talking much about how he would like to kill the followers of the Lord. He went to the head religious leader. He asked for letters to be written to the Jewish places of worship in the city of Damascus. The letters were to say that if he found any men or women following the way of Christ, he might bring them to Jerusalem in chains. He went on his way until he came near Damascus. All at once he saw a light from heaven shining all around. He fell to the ground. Then he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you working so hard against me? Saul answered, who, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, the one whom you are working against. You hurt yourself by trying to hurt me. Saul was shaken and surprised. Then he said, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? The Lord said to him, get up, go into the city, and you will be told what to do. Those with Saul were not able to say anything. They heard a voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he saw nothing. They took him by the hand and led him to Damascus. He could not see for three days. During that time, he did not eat or drink. Just, just want to stop there because let's not jump too far ahead. Maybe you're hearing this for the very first time and, and you see how the scene has been set. Here is an individual by the name of Saul who's making it his business to stamp out the way of Jesus by imprisoning his followers. As we just read, something dramatic happens. Basically, Jesus steps in, knocks him to the ground, bright shining light. He goes blind, is unable to see, and Jesus tells him to go to Damascus. I don't, I don't know about you, but at this point, if you're here for the first time, you're thinking, all right, now Saul is going to get his due. Like, 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 surely Jesus has had enough. I mean, I mean surely Jesus is not going to allow this individual to run around imprisoning his followers, watching as others get stoned to death. You're, you're, you're almost waiting to see what is Jesus going to do. Because surely, listen, listen, listen. We, we believe in love. We believe in grace. We believe in mercy. But there's got to be limits, right? Like, come on. God, what, what's God going to do with this guy? As you keep reading, you see that Jesus also speaks to another individual by the name of Ananias. You see, Ananias was living in Damascus, and, and he, he was a devout follower of Jesus. He was the very person, type of person, that, that Saul was going to find, to root out, to imprison, and to drag back in chains back to Jerusalem. But he's told to go and meet Saul. Like, can, can you imagine? You're, you're like the follower of Jesus. You're like, listen, we're, we're hiding from this guy. And Jesus tells him to go. And I love Ananias' response. In verse 14, this is what he says. Ananias said, but Lord, many people have told me about this man. He is the reason many of your followers in Jerusalem have had to suffer much. He came here with the right and the power from the head religious leaders to put everyone in chains who call on your name. In summary, Ananias is like, Jesus, isn't this the guy we write off? Like, what? surely he's beyond your grasp. Like, I, I know you're a God of miracles. I know you're a God of transformation. But, but 
You want me to go? And then this is what Jesus says in verse 15. The Lord said to him, go. This man is the one I have chosen to carry my name among the people who are not Jews and to their kings and to Jews. Let's just pull back for a moment. Because I think sometimes we read the Bible, we just kind of skip through it really quickly. And we're like, oh yeah, okay. So the movement of Jesus is growing. There's a guy named Saul and he's trying to stamp it out. Jesus confronts him and now everything's going to be okay. Like, just pause for a moment and see the gravity of this event. That Jesus says specifically to Ananias, I'm going to use Saul. Everyone's going to be amazed, but I am going to use the most hostile individual towards me to do something great. And see what happens. In verse 20, we read this. At once, Saul began to preach in the Jewish places of worship that Jesus is the Son of God. All who heard him were surprised and wondered. They said, this is the man who beat and killed the followers in Jesus. He came here to tie the followers in chains and to take them to the head religious leaders. But Saul kept growing on in power. The Jews living in Damascus wondered about Saul's preaching. He was proving that Jesus was the Christ. What a dramatic turn of events. In Saul's journey to Damascus, in his encounter with God in Jesus, we, we see how he went from the great persecutor of the church to the one that was going to be used by God to transform the lives of many. I mean, as you keep reading the Bible, you, you see that Paul, Saul, whose name gets changed to Paul, becomes the most influential character in the entire movement of Jesus. He was the one who would go on to plant churches. He would be the one who would go on to raise up the next generation of leaders. He was the one who was inspired by God to write most of what we have in the New Testament, the, the second half of the Bible. And so what do we learn from this? I think if there's one point, it's this. No one, no one is beyond the grasp of God. No matter what your past may be, there's an opportunity to experience the transformation of Jesus at work in our lives. Now, you probably assume that, right? You, you probably can intellectually believe that you might even be able to debate that amongst others. I mean, I mean, that's a truth we want to hold on to, that, that no one is beyond the grasp of God. But what does it practically begin to look like? Let me, let me just kind of walk through three things that, that I see some of the implications for in all of our lives. Some of them may be more applicable than others. The first one is this, is that if no one is beyond the grasp of God, it means first and foremost that God is for you. Maybe, maybe someone is needing to hear that today. Maybe you've believed the lie for too long that, that because of your past, 
because of your present, that, that God would want nothing to do with you. Maybe, maybe you've heard too many messages of, of judgment. Maybe you've, you've, you've heard it too often that, that because of how you've lived that there's really no hope for you. But let me ask you, when you start to match your life up with Saul's life before he met Jesus, like, do your indiscretions even hold water compared to what Saul did? I mean, I mean, Saul wasn't just neutral. He, he wasn't just kind of ambivalent. He, he wasn't just about, listen, I want to live my life and God keep away. He was actively hostile towards the movement of Jesus. He, he, he made it his livelihood to bring these followers to prison. And so, if God can encounter that person, surely he can encounter you. I think, I think one of the challenges of, of encounters like this is that, is that we can become distracted by just how incredible it is, how, how dramatic it is. But understand that, that we don't worship a cookie-cutter cookie cutter God, not a God who just shows up in the same way to all people. And so we don't always need the, the dramatic encounter. But there is something going on that I believe is a takeaway for all of us. And it's found in the fact that when Jesus encounters God, Saul, he goes blind for three days. Now, at first you may think, well, maybe this is just God giving it to Saul for a couple of days, being like, listen, I'm going to shut you down for a little while. But, but God is not petty like that. There's, there's a reason. And I think the reason is this. Whenever you close your eyes, when, whenever you stop looking out, you, you begin to remove a lot of distractions in your life. And I believe that, that Saul went blind for a few days because God wanted him to focus upon all that was happening. Have you ever considered that maybe God hasn't forgotten you, but rather you've become so distracted in life that you are failing to see the ways that God is wanting to reach into your life? The second thing that's interesting about Saul is as you read through the entire account, you, you read about how he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And now I know this is, this is one of those moments where you may be thinking, whoa, 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 I want to I encounter God, but this, this whole idea of being filled by the Holy Spirit, like that, that's starting to get a little bit weird. But what that speaks to is this, is that transformation doesn't happen just by us doing it on our own, that God needs to be at work in our lives. The, the only reason that, that Saul was transformed is because God began to work in his life. And don't you want that? Don't you, don't you want to follow a God who steps beyond what is oftentimes natural, oftentimes what is even easily explained? And so for some, maybe, maybe this is the message you need to hear, that you are not beyond the grasp of God. And so will you continue to be open to how he wants to move in your life? Second thought is this. For, for some, you might be thinking, man, I believe this, but I have a friend or I have a family member or I have a colleague or I have a neighbor and I have been praying for them and praying for them and nothing seems to be happening. I hope this story is an encouragement to you to not give up, to continue to pray. But, 
but to do something else as well. Do, do you notice in this encounter, Jesus brings Ananias along to be a part of the journey. I mean, let's be honest. Jesus could have just had this conversation on his own with Saul. His life could have been transformed. He, he, he could have been given his, his, his next opportunity and on his way. But no, Jesus brings Ananias along because God loves to partner with others. And have you ever considered how you can begin to position yourself in the lives of others to be a part of their journey when they encounter God? You see, one of the things for me individually and for us as a church is, is we want to position ourselves in such a way that when people begin to encounter God, when people begin to have questions about faith or about church or, or about Jesus, that they will know who they can go to talk to. Do you ever wonder why we're opening up our building to so many outside groups? Because we want to knock down some of the barriers. We want to position ourselves in people's lives so that when they encounter God, we will be there to walk with them in the journey. So may I suggest that as you continue to pray for these people, be intentional about how you position your life into theirs in such a way so that you can be a part of their journey when they begin to encounter God. And then the third thought is this, and we're, we're going to end here. If we hold to the truth that no one is beyond the grasp of God, that, that, that God writes no one off, then as followers of Jesus, neither should we. And I think oftentimes it happens in a more passive way, not, not in an aggressive way. But oftentimes we make assumptions that simply aren't helpful. I love the response of Ananias and much of the early church when they heard about Saul. They're like, you, you've got to be kidding me. There's, there's no way God is going to work in their lives. Have you ever found yourself in a circumstance where you've maybe felt a nudge from God to, to maybe talk about your faith? or to maybe invite someone to come to church, and you make the assumption in your mind, ah, oh, they're, they're probably not even interested. And so you let the opportunity pass you by. Listen, listen. If we believe that no one is beyond the grasp of God, then don't assume. Don't lose these opportunities to, to have an impact, to, to have an influence upon other people people's lives because we have no idea what God can do next. As a church, if you've been following with us, we talk a lot about being for Paris, which really means that we are for people. Why? Because God is for you, because we believe that no one is beyond the grasp of God. And so if that's God's posture towards others, that must be our posture as well. And so as a church, as individuals, let us continue praying for people. Let us continue to position ourselves in people's lives. Let's not make the wrong assumption and assume that people aren't interested. Because when we lean in, like Ananias, 
although a little doubtful at first, we will see the way in which God works in people's lives. And don't you want that for our community, for your family, for your neighbors or colleagues or friends? Don't you want them to experience the goodness of Jesus? If that's the case, then what step can you make today? Let's pray together. And so Lord Jesus, I I just pray for those that are listening, those that are watching today, that perhaps have felt that they are beyond your grasp. May they know your goodness. May May they take the step of perhaps just focusing upon you, removing some of the distractions and allowing your voice to speak into their lives. I pray for those of us that are your followers, Jesus, that that we would continue to position ourselves in such a way to to not make assumptions that, that people are uninterested, but that we'd be a part of people's journey. May we be for people because Jesus, you most certainly are. For we ask this all in your name. Amen. And now may the blessing and love of God the Father Almighty, the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the peace and the comfort and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit be with you today, today, and in all of your tomorrows. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.